Hey, everybody. Thank you, as always, for listening to Talking That Trash. Hope you're all doing well and staying safe. This is a bit of a different episode. Steve and I somewhat struggled with whether or not we should talk about everything going on in the world in regards to racial injustice, because we fully understand that a couple of Canadian white men are not really the voices that need to be heard right now, but we also thought it would be incredibly tone deaf if we just pretend this isn't something that we need to acknowledge Whatever our platform is, we want to use it for progress, and we cannot state strongly enough that black lives matter. We specifically talk about George Floyd, but Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all of the other victims deserve and need justice, and we all need to do a better job in whatever our individual roles are. I want to encourage everybody to sign the petitions, to donate to the various charities, organizations, because... This can't keep going. I know we're not a political podcast. I fully understand that, but this is what we talk about. Hope you enjoy. Here we go. So a great article with an interview um, with a professor from Georgetown named Paul Butler who wrote a book in 2017 called Chokehold, Policing Black Men. And Butler goes into the extraordinary power that police have within the law. Um, So for all the laws that exist, they're the same for everybody. However, it then becomes the choice of what to do within those laws based on, if we're being honest here, who is on the receiving end of it. So what it states in the article is Butler teaches a class at Georgetown, and he will have uh, one of his friends who is a cop in the D.C. area come in, speak to the class, uh, his criminal law class, and he'll take some of his students for ride-alongs, and they'll play a game called Pick That Car. Um, So I'll read an excerpt from the article that I found interesting. Um... And we'll see what everybody thinks about it. So, to quote the article, he tells the student, pick any car that you want, and I'll stop it. So the student will say, how about that white Camry over there? Now, he's a good cop. He waits until he has a legal reason, but he says that he could follow any car, and after five minutes or three blocks, the driver will commit some traffic infraction, and then under the law, he has the power to stop the car, to order the driver and the passengers to get out of the car. If he has reasonable suspicion that they might be armed or dangerous, he can touch their bodies, he can frisk them, he can ask to search their car, and it's totally legal. That's an example of the extraordinary power that police have, and that extraordinary power, that constitutional power, is used more aggressively against black and brown men than against white soccer moms. So what's interesting about this, and there's going to be a few things that we got to talk about while we go through it, is if absolute power corrupts absolutely, which is just, you know, a nice little catch, and you want to talk about what the real issues are with police in the United States, is I don't believe that every police officer just signs up to be a cop and is just an already existing racist. But if there is a culture where work incentive and the available power to you and the behavior of others all culminates into people that didn't sign up believing this this to be their perspective on on what they were going to do or how they were going to make a difference. I think this kind of thing changes people and I think this kind of thing also has a very herd type effect where there are going to be people doing things, taking more liberties, and going further with minorities than they would with, in this article, what they say, white soccer moms. What do you think about that? It's really tough to argue with. Um, Obviously, the only perspective I can speak on is the perspective of a liberal white male, so not the demographic that is impacted by this in that kind of way. It sucks that I so instinctually and naturally am a contrarian for whatever reason. I just am that. And then with comedy, you throw that in. I constantly try and find these contrarian viewpoints, which far more often than not is not helpful. 
at all. And I hope I answer your question well here, but it's obviously like a loaded topic. I've had to do a lot of self-reflection on this and take a pretty hard look in the mirror. And I would like to think I'm a pretty progressive guy that hopefully is on the right side of the equation here, but by no means perfect and can't just be pointing the finger at others and have to look inwards too. Um, when white privilege became more of a prominent phrase, I know it's been around a lot longer than I, I'd say, but when I started hearing about it a lot, there was this shitty aspect of me that would want to roll my eyes and be like, eh, I don't know if it's that big of a deal because it takes an ego check that at that point I wasn't quite ready for. It takes putting that ego aside and just acknowledging like, yeah, that this is something and I am the beneficiary of it. And I've come around on that quite a while ago, but I think a good illustration of kind of what you're talking about, this is like a funny story I tell friends and it's kind of like my best story, which is really messed up when you really think about it. But how old were, before we get into this, because I've heard the story and it's a funny story. How old were you when this, when this happened? I think I was, I was 19. I was just about to turn 20. Okay. So one of our brothers, Sam, and some neighborhood friends of ours, growing up, we always liked making movies. We would just make these stupid, like, 80s action movie spoofs. Um, and we kept doing it. This was kind of like our last hurrah. We were in college now and just having fun with it, doing it, and, and, and in, included these props that were just so clearly these stupid little laser plastic toy guns you'd get from Walmart. Right. And so we were filming a scene, and some people walked through this ravine in Edmonton, and we, we thought nothing of it, but... They must have thought we had real guns because as we were leaving, the police helicopter was circling directly above us. And we're like, oh, that's weird. Something must be going on. And then as we're leaving the ravine, we see a police officer walking down. We're like, oh, it must be even closer than we thought. And as we're driving home, we see at least three or four or five maybe cop cars. And at this point, we're like, okay, something's up. And I don't think we quite knew what it was, but we acknowledge we're probably somehow involved in this. So when we got back, I was like, just wait, guys. I'll handle it with the cops when they pull up. And then maybe 30 seconds later, a couple cop cars pull up and then two or three SWAT SUVs pull up and they all just storm out with their assault rifles and handguns pointed right at us, screaming at us to get on the ground. Kind of like that spread your shit sort of thing. <laughs> and it's horrifying. It's really scary to have guns pointed at you. Um, but we got down. We were really scared for a bit, but then when we realized what the miscommunication was, that someone thought we had real guns, called the cops on us, now we have the entire Edmonton police force on my parents' front lawn, and we realized nothing was going to happen, while we were down with the guns pointing at us, we kind of started laughing because we knew how ridiculous it was. And now, especially looking back, I realize that's kind of the embodiment of a very specific white privilege we're talking about right now. Our one black friend who was in the movie uh, wasn't with us at this point. It was all just a bunch of white dudes on the lawn laughing while police officers had AK-47s pointed at them. And we had no, didn't even cross our minds that any of them might shoot. Hmm. And then you hear about a guy, fake $20 bill at a deli, which leads to him with this power the cops have, like you just talked about, ultimately getting killed. It's tough to not take that sentiment of white privilege and the inequality with the police force very seriously. And, you know, I try to be funny. Sometimes just I'm a contrarian for the sake of being one, but this is definitely not the topic where I'm going to come out and do the whole, like, oh, I don't know about that and try and have some shitty punchline. So one person might snicker for a second. Um, so when you were, when that happened, and we'll we'll probably segue into into the issues that are actually happening in the states from this, but it is a good example to bring up of how you're 19, you're at a at an age where you're, you're taller, you're bigger, maybe a little bit imposing from from further away, um, and you had multiple guns pointed at you while you're face down on the ground. And you, it didn't cross your mind, or you, that that fear didn't didn't come through your body. That at some point in time, because of a misunderstanding, someone would get violent with you or potentially shoot you. Didn't even cross my mind. So what were they saying when they were figuring out that this was not actually what happened? Well, if I remember correctly, it was. They got out and were just doing the, like, spread your shit on the ground, the fuck on the ground, screaming. And some of these guys, I'm not, 
especially now, I don't want to be too pro-cop, but I, I'm the same as you. I don't think every police officer is inherently a bad person. I think the system is brutal, but I don't want to overgeneralize either. Some of them were just the total meathead SWAT types with the little flat top. You could tell just wanted to pull the trigger at some point today and they're doing all like the somersaults and stuff but they essentially just kind of say like where are the guns where the hell are the guns and we're like what are you talking about then when it finally clicked we said like we're filming a movie and then we uh eventually were like okay can one of us go in the garage where we put all of our props and we'll show you and our one friend who was f- far and away the least out of shape it was kind of just funny how this happened he got up he's like i will show you my hands are up i'll show you and one of them puts a rifle to his back and mm. says no funny business and like what's this guy gonna do like they do actually a, said that yeah wow like he's gonna do a bet this chubby dude's gonna do a backflip over him and like snap his neck before we take <laughs> it over um so we went back and we showed them he went back came out with the bag with the guns he's like here there and they're all just like you gotta be fucking kidding me mm. and they just looked so dejected and so deflated and then they kind of did like a search to make sure we weren't hiding anything and one of our props was this plastic he-man sword where if you press this button that you kind of can't avoid pressing, and this really crappy He-Man voice goes, I have the power. So they're holding <laughs> these stupid laser guns and then hold the sword that says, I have the power. And then one of the SWAT guys just says, fuck you to us, and gets in the SUV and throws a fit. And then they're like, well, we're confiscating all this because it, it looks too real. And, and, and at this point, we know we could, we had, we could say anything. And so we're like, are you kidding me? Like, it's not illegal to go to Walmart and buy a toy. Like, next time you see some kids going to a water fight, you're going to get the SWAT out and confiscate them after you get them on the ground. And we could just say whatever we wanted. Sure. So it, it really just goes to show at the time what's a funny story for us. What's a hilarious story you can go and tell your friends at a party and be like, oh, no way. But then it's the reality of there's people who are doing way less, aren't accused of having guns in any way, shape, or form, just driving, walking, and getting arrested for it. It's, um, I I just, you know, this isn't meant to be a political podcast or anything like that, and I'm I'm always worried about sounding condescending or sounding like, I know, and you need to figure it out. But when it comes to this, it's, it's, if, if you're not willing to admit that there is inequality and that, Black people specifically are policed so much more violently, differently, and it leads to these kind of tragedies. Just check your ego and get over it because it's really not debatable. Well, I, I think what you point out that's important in that story is that you never once felt in danger. You never once felt past probably the initial scare and the initial rush of who knows what's going on exactly when you have an assault rifle point at you're gonna yeah, be you're gonna scared. be scared but, but when you never yeah. felt like there was a chance like what also is interesting about that story is and how you you can read about many different cases where it does take another turn is through embarrassment or through because yeah. guys are just so riled up but we're gonna find something yeah and we're gonna we're pissed at you guys so like well okay but we're arresting you for resisting arrest exactly. or something along those lines um yeah, what has been happening in the last week is is impossible not to talk about. I mean, it's amazing that you go from having something that is all anyone can talk about for the last 10 weeks, yeah. three months, to a topic that no one saw coming to the front line in the way that it did. And now this is all anyone can talk about because it is such an engrossing, important topic but being on this side of the world where we know growing up in Canada and having lived in the States, how this is a very real thing, even from the perspective of people that haven't had their lives be more difficult because of the color of their skin, it's amazing to see this happening in 2020 because with everything that's going on in the world right now with COVID and now... With, and with the way that it's been handled so poorly in the United States, and now compounded with the fact that this issue still exists, this issue has reared its ugly head again in the worst way that it possibly could, where someone was murdered in plain daylight on the street in front of others that could have stopped it in a country that has already had such an embarrassing past with these things to begin with. 
compounded by the COVID stuff, it's it's impossible not to talk about it. So I know we yeah. don't we don't have a political podcast, but at the same time, be tone deaf if we didn't if we pretended this wasn't. A thing. Well, if we hopped on here and we said like, well, you know what we got to talk about. If the playoffs were seeded yeah, right exactly. now, the Rockets would face the Nuggets. And How it's like sweet that, is Michael Jordan, bro? Yeah, yeah, don't you miss the last dance? Yeah, of course exactly. we do. But yeah. this is this is an interesting thing for where we are in the world right now. Of people have been inside, people have been frustrated, people have been scared, people yeah. have been um, struggling, and now this. And I've had to remind myself. I've had to like. Google like COVID's still a thing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just rightfully so is at the forefront of it. And I guess where I'm at with it is I truly want to be one of the people that listens. And if, if we can kind of delve into this, I'm really curious what your thoughts are. What I don't want to do is do the whole white savior complex where like, this is my job. I got to save the day. But I also do want to be a contributing, effective, efficient ally to this. And I want to do it better than I've been doing because Something, as I said earlier, the only perspective we can come from is the perspective of white men, and both of us happen to be liberal. Um, And I think it's very important for us to look at ourselves and realize how complicit we can all be in this situation, too, because I kind of feel right now there's a certain level of rhetoric that amongst white people, like, if you're liberal, you're by default in the right here. You're you're doing good, and you're part of the solution. And there's a lot of very well-intentioned really good people doing a lot of good work, but there's a lot of people that need to understand like you're not doing shit and all you're doing is patting yourself on the back for it because if you hashtag BLM or whatever or went to a rally and took a selfie of it and immediately posted it so people could see how not racist you are, then just went home and you you, you hashtagged about how white privilege is bullshit even though you live in Brooklyn and you're a trust fund kid whose dad pays for your suite in the neighborhood you're actively gentrifying you're part of the problem too i'm not saying to the same degree but it's true you know what i mean and there's a lot of hypocrisy like if you were to i'm i'm i swear i'm not trying to plug but if you listen to my comedy album pretty much my whole shtick is from a liberal point of view making fun of liberal hypocrisy mm. that's the whole reason i recorded my podcast when i did i wasn't like god damn this material is just so effing good i need to get out there i was thinking though huh this this stuff I'm doing about liberal hypocrisy, I, I'm really liking it. it. seems to be hitting a pretty good chord. I got to get this out there before everybody else is doing it. And I, I mean every word I said of it, but something I've had to do is look in the mirror because I think something that drives me crazy about when liberalism can go awry is the smugness and the self-congratulatory nature of it. And I'll be honest, I, I've come to realize I've thought I'm one of the good ones who had it figured out. I'm not... You know, I I know I work in the community. I work with a lot of youth. It's it's so sad the at risk youth in the inner city, even Edmonton, which all happens to be either indigenous, black, or Muslim kids, which says a lot. But I I know I I I do pretty good work in that. And because I don't go home and post about it, I can kind of pat myself on the back and be like, yeah, you're one of the good. So I'm 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 doing the same shit, and I'm obviously not doing enough or being as good as I can be. And so I know I want to do better, but I hope it's more of a dialogue for other liberals to not just assume by default, I'm right here. Not necessarily. There's so much shit that needs to change and it can't just be putting yourself on a pedestal and pointing your finger at everyone else. You got to get introspective too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. Um, the hard The hard part with this is no matter what happens with big social issues, there are those that are invested in it for the right reasons. There are those that are invested in it because they have no other choice. There are those that are invested in it um, because they know there could be a come up for them. Coming at it from the perspective of the liberal white guys, that's always one of the harder things to, to watch is the insincerity that does pop up in times when you have to be listening, you have to be open-minded, you have to be willing to come at it from a perspective of, I don't know exact, I'm not an expert on this subject, and I won't be, but if I can be someone that can be a part of growth, or if I can be a part of something that improves, 
it's probably going to come from my actions. It's probably going to come from me walking it. It's not going to come from me posting a really well put together, heavily edited post on Instagram um, where I'm kind of fishing for likes yeah. and I'm kind of fishing for, for comments of way to go and way to inspire. And I mean, everybody has different approaches to how they want to try and be a part of the solution. Um, but it is tough at times to see what's happening and see the immediate rush to social media or the immediate rush for the parts of I'm doing this because I care and I also want to be told what a great job I'm doing too exactly. by being by being an activist. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Let me ask you this though. If you're coming at it from a perspective of like, okay, well, I'm not in the States, so I can't be a part of like the real protests or the real marches. What do you do? Yeah, I mean... What do you do if you want to actually be part of the solution? Because reading is great. I think educating yourself, coming from a perspective of I don't know everything, hearing different sides of what's going on, not thinking you know everything... Where where do you come at it from the perspective of like okay how can I be a part of the solution here? Yeah, I mean I, I I'm all ears at this point because I know racism is everywhere. It's in Canada. It's in Edmonton where we are. It, it's absolutely everywhere. So yeah, I can't I can't be in Minneapolis at those protests at those rallies. I can't be in any American city doing that. They're, they've had some in Canada, which is pretty cool. But I just think what's so important for me right now is not to just say, this is how you're a better ally. It's like I need to keep being told by people whose opinion I actually want to hear from, not what I just said, the rich trust fund kid who lives in a really nice apartment in Bed-Stuy, New York, and works at a vegan plastic-free cupcake shop (laughs) where he tweets all day about how white privilege is bullshit. I want to hear from actual people of just to tell me what can I be doing better? Because like I said, I, I, I think I do a reasonably good job of being active in the community and I don't want it all to get a pat on the back for that. I don't think I deserve any kind of credit for that. I do it because I enjoy it too. So you can't make it out like it's this completely altruistic act. I I get a lot of satisfaction off and maybe there's something self-indulgent about that. I'm Honestly, I, I'm kind of at a loss because I know there's a lot to be done but you think a lot of people you know and a lot of society is going about it the right way and it's still not working. So I don't really know how to answer it. I want to hear from the people who are affected by it to let me know this is how you could be more helpful. We don't need you to necessarily just swoop in on the chandelier and save us like the Count of Monte Cristo or something. Mm -hmm. But here are the subtle things and the more drastic things that you can do. And honestly, I do think... Not to make this a complete, let's just shit on white liberals the whole time. No, go ahead. I think a lot of this needs to change. If I can ramble here, and I hope it makes sense, I see so much of it in various different communities, especially as a comedian, where a lot of it is like alternative kind of people and very, very liberal and very vocal, but only in an echo chamber kind of sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to call anybody out, but here's some of the things from some of the quote-unquote most woke people that I've met, and this is in Edmonton, Los Angeles, and New York. Stuff where, I'll put it this way, they're different causes, but there's some comics who, white male dudes whose kind of whole identity is being an ally, being a hyper-feminist person, always preaching what it means to be a good feminist, then you find out they're a perv. You find out they're a creep. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it, it, it seems like that a lot. The people who are most vocal are often overcompensating. But then even other people's in the circle, people in the circle who all call themselves woke and whatever, they never call them out on it. And I'm guilty of that too because they're either gatekeepers or they're bookers of good shows or there's some way I can benefit off it. Right. I think bullshit like that needs to stop because really where's the progress in that? You can go home and be like, oh, that fucking guy, man. What I do if I was alone with him? Do something then. Yeah. And again, I'm guilty of it too. Call these people out. And I would imagine it's the same with racism because this same. I'll, I'll use Edmonton for an example. And I don't want to shit on everybody on why. There's a lot of very legitimate good people in that circle, but a lot of people who are completely full of shit. They'll talk about diversity. And I've had enough of straight white males on this show and the white privilege thing. It's like, okay, well, you're a straight white male who runs the show. So how much do you really mean that? Yeah. And you can talk about 
Black Lives Matter, this and the other thing, while you only are around people who talk, look, and think like you on White Ave, then I live on the north side of the city, and we did a show in Norwood once, so around like 111, which is not a bad area. No. All of them came down to a person. They all called it the ghetto, and a few of them made comments of they're scared they might get shot. <laughs> so how? what the hell is that? You're, well, you're just gonna, being funny. You're, yeah, you're going to go on your soapbox and you're going to talk about how ignorant people are and you get it. Then the second you're actually placed in an environment that's not scary to begin with, but it's not a place that just serves organic chai lattes, you're afraid you're going to get shot. And I, I don't like assigning intent to people, but I can take a real solid guess as to why they're saying that. Yeah, I get what you mean. I, I think... You know, we, we know the areas that we live, and that's where we, we base our experiences off of in um, the circles that we run in, the people that we know and we interact with, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I would say this, to add to what you're talking about, if you're not using, if you're aware of white privilege and you acknowledge white, white privilege, and we're all coming at this from the perspective of, I want to be part of the solution, then all right, cool. Here's a great way to be a part of the solution. Use your privilege to help the people in your community, in your city, that you can have an impact on right now. So what I mean by that is if you're not volunteering your time, if you're not aware of the issues that go on within your own city, within your own community, that people face because they face it everywhere, if you're not donating or coaching or helping, or doing any of that, but now all of a sudden, this is your fucking platform to say, I'm an activist now, then just get off it. Yeah. Totally. If, if you're not willing to use your privilege to help people where you live, at the very least where you live, then don't get on Instagram and be like, Black Lives Matter, and I'm down for George Floyd, and, and do all this sort of stuff. Help make a dent where you are, yeah by doing stuff that might not look sexy on social media, that might not pay you anything, yeah. that might not even be something that your friends or, not friends, acquaintances, people that like when you're around, you wouldn't mind impressing because they don't really know all there is going on with you, but the, the, the odds are they're not gonna know about this. Yeah. And that's gonna be the reward, is that you're making improvements where you live and helping the people that need to be helped because if you're in any area, there are those vulnerable sectors where they need people to just give a shit. Yeah. If you're unwilling to do that, because, hey, I got a busy life, or I already work a job, or I already do these kinds of things, okay, great, fine. But don't get on the soapbox, no. and don't think that you aren't being completely transparent yeah. when you're a white lib and you're hopping on Instagram at 10.45 on a Wednesday and putting up a really cool picture that Nike made of a fist yeah. and saying that Black Lives Matter and tomorrow I'm going to bitch because my gift card at Starbucks didn't, exactly. have, any more, didn't have any more credit on it. Get out there and contribute where you can because that's what ultimately helps. Listen, learn. Yeah ask questions, and then contribute. Fucking contribute. Yeah. And like, I'm going to turn it over to Few for a sec before I start to go nuts. <laughs> but if you're not contributing by even doing that, then the privilege that you acknowledge having is wasted. Exactly. And then you just become part of it. Yeah. So, well, what can we do to change it? Be a part of contributing. Yeah. And, and also don't think that like, you know, it's completely insincere. If you are a social media warrior, yeah. like if you're if you're the person that is like, well, you know what, I can make a dent on Twitter. Fuck you, get off it. Yeah, I agree. Give up your account. It's not going to make that big of a difference. You have you have forty five followers. You know what I mean? It's like those kind of things aren't what it's really about. It has to be yeah. about action and yeah. walking the walk. I think there should be a rule that if you post something about the movement and at any point you check how many likes you got on it, I get to come and do like a diesel style power bomb through a burning table. Now, see, this is a good segue for something really quick here because this is important. Power bomb. Are we talking a diesel power bomb? <laughs> no, hold on. Stay with me. No. If we're talking yeah. a diesel power bomb, 
Sid Vicious powerbomb. Sid Vicious. Psycho Sid, depending Psycho on Sid. what depending what federation we're with. Vader, who had a good powerbomb for a little while. Um, Brock, Brock Lesnar had a really good powerbomb uh, when he was bo- like powerbombing like really light guys, like Spike right. Dudley yeah, or yeah, Jeff yeah, Hardy yeah, yeah, yeah. when he first showed up and his neck was like <laughs> yeah. higher than Why his head. Is this table? Yeah. yeah. And he would just start powerbombing guys. <laughs> and for some reason, guys just like put their head underneath the leg Allow and don't move. Don't <laughs> drop to the knee or try and run away. So, Brock Lesnar. You're going to powerbomb Brock Lesnar? Yeah, because, I mean, he had more force. And Diesel's powerbomb or jackknife really sucked. He just kind of makes them do a somersault. Yeah. He just would pick them up in it, then he would just drop them. Yeah, Diesel's weak. I remember when Diesel, he was Kevin Nash at this point. Yeah. And he powerbombed the Giant on WCW. And he just basically dropped him on his head. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically picked him up. His legs went straight up in the air. And then he like tried to flip it. And because he was so gigantic, he just dropped him right <laughs> on his dome. And everyone was like, oh, my God, what a display of power. <laughs> and it was like, you know what? I think if I got a guy to play ball with me, I could have done that. Yeah, like, Diesel hey, man, sucks. can you jump while I pull your, your stomach? <laughs> and I'll just drop you on your neck. Yeah, give me a guy with some bounce, and I can diesel power bomb him a little bit. Yeah, I, I, just brutal. I think... Terrible uh, wrestler. I think Brock Lesnar power bomb's the way to go. Because Although I don't want to fight violence with too much violence, so maybe the diesel jackknife is a little bit more of like, that's a warning. You're not going to get hurt by this at all. You're going to fall. I don't want to hurt you. Violence is the problem here. Here's the caveat. Whatever person you decide to do their power bomb, you have to show up to their house wearing that wrestler's outfit. Maybe, so yeah. diesel means you're wearing a singlet top and leather pants with tassels hanging off of it. Brock Lesnar means you show up at their house in black underwear yeah. and, and boots. Psycho Sid means you show up in a body glove, <laughs> body glove singlet speedo, boots up to the knee. <laughs> and Vader means you show up in that, one, in that onesie that he wore to the ring every time that said Vader time on his <laughs> stomach. And you got to wear the mask. If I could do a fusion of Vader's outfit with Kevin Nash's ja- Kevin Nash's jackknife, I think that would be ideal. It'll be the most imposing, hurt them the least. But one way or another, if I'm throwing some disingenuous hipster through a table, that's a win for me. Uh, yeah, I think if there's a table on fire and someone said, pick your power bomb, you're picking the first one to come up just so you can toss yeah. the hipster through the table as quickly as possible. Yeah, and I'll do the jackknife with by Diesel first, and then if they do it again, it's like, all right, I'm going to take this up a notch, and we're doing a Sid Vicious one. If you keep doing it, then I give you the Brock Lesnar one, and then on the fifth, it's like you've lost your privileges. Yep. By having so much privilege, you have lost your privilege. Privilege for power bombs. No, but it, it, it's it's true. I, I, they, I don't want to go into too much of a rant because that stuff really – Really irks me, and I and I, I I spend half my day, regardless of what we're talking about, qualifying everything I say because I'm afraid of it coming off the wrong way, and then I just sound like a fucking idiot, anyways. <laughs> but with this, I really want to be clear that I don't think I'm the guy that has it all figured out. You need to listen to me. I don't. I think compared to some of those people, I'm going about it probably and hopefully in a better way, but it's not good enough, and I know that. But it just drives me up the fucking wall if someone thinks they're doing a good job because them and their like-minded friends who don't actually contribute in any way go on Facebook and just look and and will post some really hot take and someone will say I disagree and their first reaction is you're racist I'm not saying it's right but part of a reason this fucking idiot in the states who is the president again I'm not defending the rationale but it is apparently a real reason is how many people in the states were so tired of being called racist that they're just like, you know what, fuck you guys. I'm voting this guy just to spite you in because of how smug and self-congratulatory some people on the left were getting. So that's not helping. I, I, I don't want it to be a defense of people who are saying that all lives matter. Or anything. That's not what I'm saying here or anything like that. But Don, Donald Trump is such a divisive piece of trash that I don't know how effective it is being super divisive here too, like not finding any nuance, not finding of like, okay, let's come to some sort of agreement here that if I, like I saw this on Facebook, I posted a thing that just said, there is no such thing as a good cop. Every cop is evil. I don't and agree. I don't agree with. I that. don't agree with that either. But the thing is, some people were saying I don't agree with that, and then they were getting called racist and fascists for saying that. And I, it used to be. Oh, that's Twitter. That's Facebook. That's how people like you can't you can't listen to that. Not anymore because that's a legitimate form of communication now. Yeah. And so if that's the dialogue, that if someone because this, this is a fact, someone can say something like 
they don't agree with looting. They think what happened to George Floyd is a disgrace. They understand police brutality, but they, they don't agree with looting, and they don't think every cop is a bad person. That doesn't make them a fascist. That doesn't make them a Nazi. And that's such a stupid fucking thing to say on so many levels because it's divisive. And then also, there are real Nazis still. People suffered so much at the hands of Nazis. Like, obviously, Jewish people, the Holocaust, don't diminish what they went through. Because mm-hmm. the struggles they weren't going through is because some guy came up and was like, huh, cops aren't that bad. And then the Holocaust happened. That's so mm-hmm. insulting. And if your whole thing is being sensitive, that's so insensitive and completely diminishes some people's struggles. So just find some nuance and don't just think because you gave a hot take and you're angry and you're so pissed off. Well, again, you're probably in a nice apartment that daddy's paying for. <laughs> don't think that makes you woke. And stop saying woke, too. I'm sorry, that fucking drives me crazy. These same people that are all against cultural appropriation and will go out of their way to tell you how cultural appropriation is one of the worst things in the world are also the same white guys who are always saying shit like, yo, that's dope. My homies always refer to their friends as homies. Saying woke is cultural appropriation. So shut the fuck up. Getting fired up here. I'm sorry. We were about, you were about to segue into it of, of the Trump thing. And I think you can't really have this conversation without talking about the leadership or lack thereof in the United States. I mean, the last, the last four years with him, there isn't enough time. Everything that has come from him has been for fracture. Everything that has come from him has been to cause division. This specific instance is probably the most highlighted and intense of all of it because through all of this he has just looked to create at a time where it's never been more needed to get up in front of people and speak to everyone as equals to speak to everyone as humans to speak to everyone who needs reassurance and needs to at least know that the guy who's holding the highest political office in your country wants to see its country and its people do better. And he hasn't done that. Yeah. Hasn't done it once. Continues to fracture, continues to incite dog whistle shit. Um, it's so disappointing because just when you think the bar couldn't be any lower for this guy, he finds a new level yeah. through open racism, through um, homophobia, through misogynistic comments through a sexual assault through all through all anything you can throw at him he's 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 either said it and been recorded about it or tweeted about it and now we're in this he's completely taken a dump with the covid-19 thing like just all over the place and now this so i don't think Donald Trump is to blame, and I, I hate even saying those sentences of Trump isn't to blame for everything. But I don't think Donald Trump is to blame for the issues in the police department and the police force in the United States. Yeah. But I do think how he is handling the fallout of this definitely is spurring the reaction. Totally. Where him inciting people is, is making the looting or the violent stuff, which gets overplayed. That can't be stated enough, that that gets overplayed. But the reaction of people feeling discouraged, angry, or an angrier is a reaction to him. Um, And I think it also ties into, hey, there's, there's been issues with the United States police force for decades. And all you have to do is do a quick dive into, you know, L.A. in the 1990s, going back before that, violence from the police towards minorities is a very real thing. Long before Donald Trump was our asshole, was the asshole president in the United States. So what I would say here is if, if you're an onlooker, what do you hope happens? Can he be redeemed in any of this? Because I don't think he can. I, I think at no. this point, it's just it, it won't even be genuine. If he came out tomorrow and tried to do a unifying my fellow Americans talk, everyone would rip it because it would yeah. be disingenuine. If he did do that, it would take him probably a day to go back on what he would say. Exactly. So are we just riding this out at this point? 
feels that way. That's and, and that that's really I'm glad you said that because I was going off like a lunatic. Um, but that's kind of it does kind of relate to my point. Um, he's so divisive and his loser pieces of trash little puns. Like, do you know who Charlie Kirk is? Maybe, but oh, why don't he you? fucking sucks. He's such a loser, but he's like this turning point USA guy who all he does is pretty much talk about how Donald Trump is God and how he's just being wronged in every way. It's so unfair. It's like, you're a fucking loser. But you get like people like that who are all so divisive and based on no nuance, no middle ground to ever actually see eye to eye. So with Trump, he he had his chances where even if he did come out and he didn't mean a word of it, just said something to, to try and unite people. Clearly didn't go that way. Um, and what I worry about is that there still might be a legitimate chance he gets reelected. Yep. And I and to back to the point where I was going ballistic, that's where I would say... Another thing about these hipsters. These <laughs> fucking hipsters. Well, no, but I think it would be helpful instead of just pointing the finger and immediately saying you're racist, which not every liberal is doing. That's not what I'm trying to say either. And not excusing racist behavior, but instead of just immediately going to that you are a bigot thing, try and actually communicate so that these people aren't doing the same thing of like, man, I can't open my mouth whether I, I am racist or not without being called that. I'm just voting to back in despite you again. Like, find some sort of way we can actually communicate to get that pile of shit out when the election happens, even if he, if he, actually leaves or believes the vote. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. I get what you're saying. I, I think another important thing to add on to what was already already talked about was a part of what will help things change is voting. And, a, yeah. and being educated on who we are trying to elect into our public offices. We don't live in the States right now, but we have lived there before. And the difficult part of it is this isn't Democrats versus Republicans. At least that's how I feel. I think you and I shouldn't both... Shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be. Um, because this is a human being issue. Yeah. And right now we have a president in office that kind of is the antithesis about that. It's, it's a complete opposite end of the spectrum. So one bit of impact we can have through this is vote. Totally. Get out, vote, do those things to try and impact social change, impact political change, get guys like this yeah. out of a system that once placed there doesn't act in the best interest of the of the of the people and the American citizens. Yeah. Doesn't. Clearly, because doesn't care about anyone. No, cares about him clearly first and foremost and and like Billy Bush. The, yeah, and the and the and the and the people that vote for him, kind of, kind of, kind of, like kind of, you know, panders to them, but then also kind of condescends to them as well too. And well, he's so far from that that demographic that you kind of hear of as like paraphrasing what other people said, the kind of like forgotten about lower class white people in like the Midwest sort of thing. He he is the antithesis to what they are as well. Like oh yeah they don't but that that gets lost along the way of I'm one of you guys and I've never lived a day like you guys. Yeah. Um yeah that that's that's been so and there's just nothing muddied presidential like it, it drives me insane with American politics how being presidential is such a big thing. Then you see this orange guy with a fake mullet who can't talk, who calls people losers. Who call, like that, his like his big debate thing will just like pretty much just be the child that says like nope, like that's his move, and people are like <laughs> that was pretty sharp. Like no, it's it's it, it just it it hasn't worked. Like there have been things out of his control. Yes, COVID being a thing, that's not his fault. The way he handled it. It's his fault. Mm -hmm. Like you said, this stuff has been pre-existing long before Trump was ever in office, but he's done nothing to make it better. The experiment happened. It was a huge failure. Let's try and pick up the pieces. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're 100% right on that. So going forward, I mean, this, this will be an interesting rest of the week. Be very curious to see what continues to happen. And state by state what people start to band together and do that's productive towards beginning to institute some change. If we're up in Canada, like this been discussed, 
there are things that need to be changed here. But as we touched upon earlier in the pod is then you got to put feet on the ground if this is something that you're going to say you care about. Yeah. And you got to put something into action, whether it's with something existing or creating something that is an idea or a project or something that can benefit other people and also stomach that it might not immediately give you notoriety or financial reward or huge amounts of praise from the people around, that can be how you can make a difference. That can be how you have an impact. And you know what? If you're doing that, so it doesn't make it sound like we have some gigantic war on Instagram or or on social media. If you're doing that and you post about it, awesome. People will tell you're doing a great job, especially if you continue doing it week by week or month by month because then you're shown to be genuine. If everybody hopped on Instagram yesterday and just did the black screen thing <clears throat> and felt like uh, felt like you're in the 60s marching on yeah, the state capitol. Yeah. Yeah, and then today we were you know back out in the backyard talking shit yeah. and pounding a coldie. It's like, well, then okay, I guess that was just a really nice 24 hours. But Exactly. So, going forward, um, well, I mean, the other the other part I would say that really has been upsetting to see is I mean we both lived in Minneapolis yeah um, and there are people down there that are, are close to us and that, and that we love and, and that's been one of the stranger things about this is is seeing all this stuff happen in a, in a place that we I was born in yeah. and we've we've called home because as you said before Minneapolis hasn't in certain regards stepped up to shine I mean, because, you know, our, the, the cop that, that did this, huge black eye, the cops that stood s- silent and, and idle while it happened, huge black eye. And you see this stuff happening, and it, it really is heartbreaking. But it's heartbreaking from a perspective, not from, like, because it doesn't make me feel sad, and I hope I word this right. I think if anyone can be put in a position where if they've been screwed by somebody, if they've been talked down to or some guy on our, in our world talked shit to us or was, has been consistently bad to us, how much of a grudge we would hold against them. Yeah. So when you look at it from this perspective of it doesn't make me sad. What I said before is, is a little bit of a misspoken world. It makes me sad to see people hurt in this way. It makes me sad to, to see a man like George Floyd suffer the way he did and not have someone help him. But it makes me furious, angry, and if I was in that situation, frightened as hell. Yeah, Frightened as hell. Because when you're put in that type of situation of, I think it's going to go a certain way, and I realize it's not, how terror can take over your entire body. Oh, man. So, yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's that's what we can't grasp or really comprehend. Like we can imagine what it would be like to live in that kind of paranoia and fear, but we can't really comprehend it. And it's so easy to take a back seat and be like, that's not how it's going to get done. You don't, don't start protesting. Don't start writing like, well, what is it going to take? And we don't know that anger and that fear to get to that point. So it's really easy to say that. And everybody said this, not an original take or a hot take here at all. But when people say Protest peacefully. That obviously hasn't worked either, and it's going to get to a boiling point. And when has it ever been? This is a part that does piss me off. Why does it always come to the people that are persecuted? That are the ones yeah, that have on to them. Yeah, they're the ones that have to be above it. Exactly. They're the ones that have to calm down, or they're the ones that have to go through the proper channels. Yeah, be oppressed your whole life. Have every ancestor. To some degree or another, be oppressed. Live but, in a system that is designed for this, and then when... But you got to be the bigger man, too. Yeah, but you guys got to understand that you got to do this the right way, otherwise it's not going to make an impact. When things have been done the right way before, and it hasn't made the impact yeah. that it's hoped to be. Here's another thing I was thinking about going forward, because I agree with everything. Um, I think I don't want to completely shit on people that will post stuff on social media. As long as it's not just, I donated 20 bucks to Black Lives Matter, here's the screenshot, I'm out, I've, I've done my part, give me likes. That's not what I'm talking about. But you, there are so many people doing so many good things mm-hmm. and making like raising awareness for it of the charities you should donate to. Yeah. So for example, that's effective to me. It seems that's a good way of doing it. But here's the other thing I've thought about. It seems that the people who are most vocal 
oftentimes fall into that category. We're kind of shitting on, whereas I've been lucky to meet a lot of people here, just here in Edmonton, like say some of the people that work at the boys and girls clubs who are so heavily involved in these communities, ask for no praise, get no praise for it. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of people that we should be hearing from more. So maybe giving your, your message more, because the thing, these more like level headed people, they don't need that gratification. That's some 24 hours of the day. I need validation. Like a comedian does. These are the kind of people we should be hearing from. Not some guy who's like, Hey, check out my new sketch. And while you're at it, don't shut up. Stop making it about you. I think that would be a great tool and outlet for more of us. Like I said, like I've said a few times, I need to learn. I need to be told more to be better, be more effective, be more efficient. And I'm all ears. And those are the kind of people I hope not as in like, you need to step up. You're doing a great job. I wish I was doing as good a job as you, but that could be helpful to give us a little bit more insight of like, this is how you could be more effective. Do you know what I mean? I think I do. I think I do. Now let's get back to those fucking hip. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to talk about the hipsters anymore. No, I think we're hipstered out. We're hipstered out. I feel, yeah, I, I think, like we said a little while ago, this week will be very telling from a leadership standpoint, from uh, from a citizen standpoint, from uh, people that are watching, but not in the thick of it. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see how, how people on, on all sides uh, continue to deal with this um, and continue to try to move forward, because it has to be a moving forward thing. Being ignorant to the idea that something's going on, and that there aren't things that have to change, and that there aren't things that are yeah. systemic in the United States and other countries, I think it's kind of like we're, we're past that. Like, think, say, acknowledging that there's well, I don't think there's a racist racism problem. Well, there is. There is. Yeah. If if there wasn't, then there'd be a ton of misguided people that have been feeling something wrong that they have actually been feeling. And they have been living under, and they have been living with, and seeing happen yeah, to their peers. Totally. So that that part's not really that part's not debatable at this point. I mean, the open dialogue needs to continue because I, I know I've I've said this, and I've had the conversations where other people say like, I I just don't want to talk about it. ignorance is bliss. I'd rather not get heated. This isn't one of those things. This needs to be talked about. This needs to be talked about honestly. This needs to be talked about openly for guys like us and people like us. This needs to be talked about with an open mind and open ears, not just we're giving the solutions. This is the answer. Let's not just say we got to listen. Let's really listen. Well, it's condescending. I mean, that's the other thing. It's it's incredibly condescending for at this stage for white people to offer solutions on how or tell black people how they're supposed to feel about this or exactly. or um, how how they should figure this out. Yeah. I think... It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's incredibly condescending. So let's try and skip some of that, even though I know that would be a big jump for uh, some of the uh, full of great idea people. And I hope I didn't do that at any point. I keep saying I hope I didn't do that at any point. I don't think you did. I I don't think you did. I I think it it comes from a place of frustration that things need to change, and in order to make things change... You're going to have to do a lot more listening and learning. And then yeah. from there, maybe a little bit more listening and learning after that. It's not going yeah. to be a week of no. saying like, okay, I did my time. Can we just move on to something else now? Um, it's going to be, I, I think, an ongoing pursuit of how can we continually impact this and how can we over time gradually change things? Because a new president later in the year, is not going to all of a sudden change this. It's not going to create such incredible reform. It's like, well, let's just sweep through and fire all the racists. Well, this is so ingrained our societies, and this has been so many, so many, so many years that it's going to take time, which sucks. It's it's so insane to say that equality is still going to take time. But I I, I just mean, I just hope both sides, I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're a Libertarian or a Democrat. One way or another, especially for us white folks, I think we need to get over ourselves and we really need to do what we can to help this move forward because this shit's got to stop and I think we all got to take a look in the mirror and we got to realize we need to do better. 
We Agreed. need to do a whole lot better. Agreed. Well, should on that hilarious note, should we leave it at that? I think um, we should have we should have a take though, because I mean, yeah, there okay. Still some life. So, I do have a hot take. Actually, you give your hot take first. No, I'm, I'm going to ask you to go first. Okay, we got another few minutes. We're just under the hour mark. We can do this. Okay, I won't give it too. I don't even consider this a hot take. I actually consider it more of a fact. I love British invasion music. Mm. I love the Who. The Who's my favorite band, flawed sure. as they might be. We're going to do a whole other podcast another time about this kind of era of music. Baba O'Reilly, which some people mistakenly call Teenage Wasteland. Number one track <laughs> on Who's Next, 1971, greatest album of all time. Baba O'Reilly is the greatest pop song ever recorded. Okay. Not a hot take. It's a scientific fact. Yeah, this, this is rooted in science? I've done the research. Really? Yeah. It sounds a bit like Team Trump research. Of that, the sci- a, a song's been scientifically. I got in the lab. <laughs> no, the, it's it's so far and away the best pop song ever recorded. It has the most depth. It's a song that you can listen to when you're feeling a little somber, feel like getting a little emotional, going for a walk in the rain. It's a song that I listen to before basketball games. I'm like I'm kind of oddly jazzed up like that. You got the synth breakdown, then the second those piano chords come in, it's like fuck. And then the drums. Forget about it. And then the way they just keep building, because it has the synth, then the piano, then just the drums, then eventually the bass, which is just simple. It's three chords. Do, do, do. And then they wait. And then Pete Townsend comes in with the power chords on the guitar. And it's just such a good build. Then it goes into, which was Keith Moon's idea, the violin outro. I love that. It is a perfect song. And it is perfectly sung. The lyrics are great. There is not a better pop song in existence. I'm going to struggle at, at right now because you, yeah. you, you sold that really well. Thank you. Appreciate it. But, I mean, clearly that's, like, not true. No, it is true. Yeah, well, you know. Name a better pop song. Give you five seconds. All time. Five, four, three, two, one. See? I First win. off, that wasn't That's how seconds. debates work. No. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I honestly... I'm, I'm gonna have, we're going to have to revisit this because I'm going to have to... I'm, I'm the shittiest at this where someone's like, hey, man, I'm like, you're at home. I love this song. I love this band. I love this album. And yeah. someone you're out and about, and they say, "Hey, man, what are you listening to right now?" And you're like, "Oh!" Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the only thing that can come to mind is I don't know. Here's another thing: Master song, of Puppets. That, oh God! <laughs> talking about dragons and wizards and the galaxies. They're talking about substance, and that was recorded in 1971. You could come out with that today and be like, "Yeah, that, that's that's a really good I, song." Yeah, I, I do think it's an amazing song. I do think so, I do time. think it's an amazing song. It deserves way more time. It, uh, not just Bob O'Reilly, but this era and the Who deserves an entire podcast episode. What's your hot take? I'm going to struggle with this because this, yeah, I, I haven't been really uh, doing a ton of uh, exciting things in the last week <laughs> since we've done this. So uh, I don't have a ton of pains. I watched part two of the Lance Armstrong 30 for 30 last night. And I don't know if this is as much of a hot take as just an observation. I think Lance Armstrong is a jerk, like through and through. I've already kind of used up my bad words number that I wanted to set out to use today, so (laughs) I'm not going to call him the things that I would normally call him. But I think he's like a huge jerk, the way he talks about people, the way he tried to ruin people, and the way he lied while ruining and hurting people with his words. But the thing that is indisputable about Lance Armstrong and watching um, his 30 for 30 and going through and reading some stuff about it is he did do an incredible amount for cancer research for cancer survivors in the United States through the Live Strong initiative. So it's become more difficult because when I went into that 30 for 30, I was like Lance Armstrong, douchebag, to the highest degree. And you watch it, and you're like, okay, he still is, but is that right. make what he did for cancer and for for the for people in America suffering from this horrible disease and the people that survive it yeah. to help their lives? No, it doesn't cancel any of that stuff out. Right. So I kind of had to do a little bit of reevaluation on Lance Armstrong. I'm still not going to read his book again. I read yeah. that in college, and it yeah. pissed me off when all this stuff came out because <laughs> I was like, wow, this guy's... A rock star. He's like the yeah. most incredible person that's ever lived. Totally. I haven't seen the doc yet. It's really good. Yeah, I'll, I'll you should watch it. Uh, no, I, I think I don't know if I'd call it a hot take, but it's a take. To recap, 
my hot take, Bob O'Reilly's the greatest pop song ever. Steve's Armstrong's a pretty good guy. He has his moments. I, he was yeah, Armstrong's <laughs> I, I can't wait to declare Armstrong my favorite athlete of the twentieth <laughs> of the twenty first century. No. Yeah. I think all his professional behavior in cycling does not cancel out all the good things he did for other people who needed That's fair. who needed help. That's fair. That's nuance right there. There we go. Um this was a bit of a change of pace in pod, but I think it uh, had to be done. Yeah. Given the climate of things, it would be a little bit shitty to have come on here and say and talk about anything else but what is going on in the world, especially when it's so important. That'd be the white privilege we're talking about if we can just come here and just joke about you and pretend this isn't an issue. That would be going exactly what we're trying to get across. So I'm glad we did talk about it. Hope I didn't put my foot in my mouth no, I don't think more so. than I should have. We'll Said a lot of F-bombs. Yeah, there was more, more F-bombs today than... You uh, got a little heated too. Yeah, I did. There was at one point... Because I can tell I'm, I'm more into the swearing. It's since the last... I prob- we'll get out here in a second. I, I'm not much of a swearer, but once I started watching Last Dance, seeing MJ throwing around the F-bombs, I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to say it all the time. Now. If I watch The Sopranos, I'm swearing... Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm getting getting up and saying and saying good fucking morning. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, mean, I I can't help myself. I'm doing fucking great. How the fuck yeah. are you doing? And you're just saying it casual. Oh yeah, totally. Let me get a turkey fucking sandwich. We gotta talk about the Sopranos sometime. Yeah, I think we should. We had some Sopranos gonna... versus The Wire. That's an episode. It's heavyweights. Well, that's a t- that's one for another time. I'm I'm glad we talked about this. Thanks for chatting about it. And and like I, I said, and genuinely, if you want to reach out with any kind of resources that are helpful to to be better moving forward, I think, Steve and myself are all ears. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Whoever out there is listening, thank you for listening. And uh, next week we will we'll be back, and I think how this week goes will probably dictate what kind of uh, discussion and tone we're going to be having on next week's show. But uh, we've received some really nice messages from people uh, who have been following and subscribing to the podcast, so we appreciate that. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll check in next week.